Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Gateway Rescue Mission, meeting the physical and spiritual needs of the homeless right here in Jackson, Mississippi. Check us out at www.gatewaymission.org. I'm Steve Azar, and I'm on the other side of the microphone, meaning I'm asking the questions this time, and oh, have mercy for the airwaves. I spent 20 years in Music City, wrote and made some hits, traveled the world, and then moved my family back to the birthplace of American music and where the magnolia trees prosper. And now every time I put my feet on Mississippi soil, when I'm off the road, well, I'm at peace. On this show, it's all about hearing the stories straight from the mouths of the friends I've made along the way, their journey to success. Heck, there might be someone on, I don't even know, but you know how us Mississippi types are. We tend to take well to new company. In a Mississippi Minute, all 60 of them. I'm Steve Azar. It's just like that muddy river moving slow. Ain't no worries, it's how life goes, baby. In a Mississippi minute. That's right. I met today's guest some years ago through a mutual friend, Frank Vandervoort, a.k.a. Frank the Tank. And if you saw Frank, you'd say, yeah, he's the tank. In Frank's own words, from the days back at St. Mary's, a small football college at the time, D2 in Northern California, to an NFL draft pick to the Philadelphia Eagles in 84, he battled injuries too soon and too often, and would then focus his attention on his son's career, who was a college basketball star turned NFL tight end, doing that dad thing like the champion he was and still is today. He would later go on to be successful in the business world, and his passion for writing something Frank says he did back in the college years would eventually take a front seat in his life. Like the arts usually do, they take over at some point when you let it in, as passion is a powerful thing. Bottom line, there's a lot before and in between and now after that makes his journey so special. So let's get it on. Welcome to In a Mississippi Minute, my brother, Andre Hardy. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. That was awesome. (laughs) Frank the Tank... Frank right the on, Tank. Frank the Tank. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, Frank started to, to check out the uh, podcast, and he said, you got to get Andre on. And I said, that's a great idea, and that's it's a good thing for me because we've been over a year, and I, I thought I'd run out of friends or people that we sort of know after a month. So uh, we're chugging along. <laughs> that's awesome. So what's going awesome. So you out in uh, California right now? Yeah, I'm sitting in my office in Los Angeles uh, working on my art. I love it. I love it. Well, I want to get to the art. I'm excited about all of that. But let's let's go back first. Take me back growing up. You had a lot of challenges along the way, which I think helped inspire the person you are today. Gave you a, a pen and pad to actually tell the story, which you got to have. And you got to go through some struggles and some trials to have anything worth a dang to write about. That's That's been my case. Uh, what was it like in the household as a kid, brothers, sisters, folks? I was, uh, I was born in San Diego. I didn't know this until literally around 2000 that I was the product of an affair. My mom uh, was in Houston. She had an affair with one of the, the deacons at her church, got pregnant, and decided that she would move to San Diego as not to shame him. So Hmm. I grew up in a house with me and three older sisters. 
And my father, I actually never met. And so I grew up in a in an urban environment. My mom was a maid and a housekeeper for oh, 25 plus 30 years with at the Hilton Hotel out on Mission Bay. And I, I grew up, um, you know, looking back now, you know, we were poor, like incredibly poor. And I do recall, you know, there were times when we didn't have anything to eat. You know, my mom would bring me home her lunch from the hotel so that I would have something to eat. But there was never a lack of love. Right. And so though we were poor in terms of finances, there was a richness about, you know, the way that we lived and, you know, the love that was in the house and the support that I got. Yeah, it, it was, um, there was a, a, a ton of love in the house. And my mom, you know, oftentimes worked two jobs to make ends meet. And so when you talk about how our circumstances informed who we are, one of the first things that, you know, when I realized that I had a gift for athletics is that I would work my tail off and I was going to make sure that my mom never had to go another day to that hotel. So, yeah, so, you know, it, it was rough. And I happened to grow up in the midst of the explosion of um, the gang, the Crip and Blood gang movement in, in Southern California. This, this, this stuff came about right when I was probably in my early teens. And though, you know, I was never involved in gangs, all the guys that I grew up with were involved in gangs. So essentially, I was involved with gangs as a, as, as a byproduct of just where I grew up. And I grew up in San Diego on a border town, which is, you know, which is really interesting because of, you know, the influx of uh, Mexican culture. And mm -hmm. so I grew up around a lot of, uh, you know, my neighbors on each side were, were Mexican from Tijuana, illegal. Um, so, yeah, there was just this, this, um, this real family, although we were all poor, it was a real neighborhood. We, we all hung out, all the kids, all the guys would go to each other's house, and, and, and there was a lot of love. Not money, but plenty of love. That children, for the most part, of course there are exceptions, we become products of our environments and oftentimes the examples that the adults in our lives set. And one thing about my mom, she was a tireless worker. Yeah. And... If people were to say anything about me, what you'll hear them say, oh, is that dude, he's got discipline, and he is going to actually get it done. And if he gives you his word, he's going to do it. And then I turn around and I see the exact same traits in my son. So, yeah, I, I think we do, we do learn those things, and we, we learn the importance of we learn what's important from the people that we spend time around. Right. Was it all what well, you say? Athletics. Did you, your your son was a basketball star turned football NFL player, which you see a lot happen uh, with big kids that could play hoop that were agile, great feet, great hands, and end up playing tight end. Right. We we we've seen that. But were you playing baseball, basketball, football? Was it all? And then when did you know football was it? 
Yeah, I played, I played a little bit of everything, unorganized sports, and we're talking about the we're talking about the guys in the in the neighborhood. I didn't get involved in organized sports until I was a junior in high school. I spent my my years going to a Christian school. I grew up in a Seventh Day Adventist household, and I I went to um, Christian school from the time I was in like fifth grade until tenth. They didn't have a football team. They didn't have an organized basketball team. And all of the, the kids in my neighborhood were playing sports. And it was, they were all doing really well. But when we played out on the block, I knew that I was better yeah. than actually all of them. <laughs> so, you know, my, and my mom was determined that I would not play football. She said, I do not want you to get hurt. And then we also, there was, you know, Seventh-day Adventists, if you don't know, they keep they're Sabbath keepers, and so on sundown on Friday until sundown on Saturday, you are in your your spiritual mode. You don't, huh, yeah, right. You don't play sports. You don't watch TV. You don't do anything. So essentially, by my mom allowing me to play, saying, "Okay, I'm going to let you do this," or else I fear you're going to drive me and yourself crazy. Right. You know, I sort of broke out of that that mold, and and I I was a good basketball player. And I really thought that I would go to college and play basketball. And one day, I was in the gym, and the, the football coach came to me, and he said, hey, I want you to come out for football. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I'm actually a basketball player. <laughs> and he goes, actually, you're a football player, and somebody's going to pay for you to go to college playing football. And that's when, you know, this light went on for me, like, oh, okay, First time. I'm a, I'm a junior. First time. Crazy. Yeah. have no idea what I'm doing. The pads feel like these foreign <laughs> objects on my body. The helmet's too big. I mean, I'm really, I'm really a fish out of water. And so I'm on the team, but I don't play. The next year, they didn't have anybody else to play but me. Okay, come on. So That's crazy. <laughs> so, and my First game that I start, I ran for like 215 <laughs> yards and like three touchdowns. <laughs> and so we figured out pretty quick that I might be good at this. Right. And so, you know, Steve, I worked and I worked and I worked and I worked. And, you know, to fast, I'll, I'll fast forward and, and back up if you need me. But I watched, need me to, I watched, uh, you know, the NFL just had its combine. From the time I'm, a senior. I'm I'm 190 pounds and I run about a 48. But by the time I go to the combine, which is, you know, four or five years later, I'm six foot two. I'm 225 pounds, and I run a 445 at the combine. Wow. So if you can imagine, imagine the kinds of work that went in in between. It was just this relentless amount of work and effort towards a goal that I believed was real, and I believed it was mine. Well, well, you have to, first of all, or there's no way you're going to put the work in. We're talking to Andre Hardy. The story's only going to get better. You're in a Mississippi Minute. We'll be right back. In my In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. 
Steve Azar. I am with. Boy, he's done it all. But he's uh, spending a lot of time with a pad and paper these days, writing this. His basically his life, his experiences, uh, what what he uh, saw around him, and uh, I can't wait to uh, partake in his publishing, published works, and everything. And I know that, that that's all about to come. And you're going to have some decisions to make. And we're not going there yet because I do want to get there because it's so important in your life. But who's even paying attention after one year? You say that you have a first breakout game and then it's sort of, you know, whatever. And you're not running as fast as you need to. But but all that's coming. So is it junior college? Is it, I mean, when does St. Mary's happen? And, and did you go to JUCO first? You know, on size alone, there is some interest. But at this point, I'm not a very good student. So any opportunity of me going out to college is ruined because I don't take care of my business in the classroom. Right. So I go to so I go to junior college and I gra- I I was 16 when I graduated. One of the things that um, happened for me, although I wasn't a good student, I was incredibly bright, and I totally passed over the fifth grade. I was in advanced classes and all of that. So, so I was incredibly bright, but not a good student. So I graduated from high school. I was 16. I played my first college game, junior college game, when I was 16 years old. And, and um, I actually did really well. My freshman year at San Diego City College, I averaged over seven yards a carry. And you're and 16. I'm 16 years old. Man, I turned wild. I I turned 17 during the season. It's <laughs> crazy. And the next year, I go out, and I have and so all right. So now I I have some attention. The next year I go out, I don't have as as good of a season. I don't fulfill the promise of my freshman year. And it certainly isn't because I didn't work at it. Were you working at the grades so, at this point too cuz you knew? I'm working I'm working at the grades. Okay. So every everything is everything is coming together. It's 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 everything is coming together. So I have a I have a decent season, uh, but I'm getting recruited by mid-majors. And I ended up going to starting out at um at Weber State. That didn't work out me because I was a com- still a little bit of a knucklehead. Right. I got into trouble at Weber State. I got kicked off the team. I got kicked out of school. Man. And before I left, I remember Mike Price was the head coach, and he says, hey, I'm going to make a call for you. There's a you, I think you have a lot of potential. I'm going to make a call for you. There's a school down in California that you can go play right now, and you won't have to sit out. Because you're going from a, so guess, a you're going from D1 to D2, right? Exactly. I'm going to D1 to D2, and that time that time you didn't have to sit out. But I'm back in San Diego. I'm at home, and I am so depressed and disappointed in myself, and and. Coach Manini, he's a coach at St. Mary's at the time, it called the house maybe four or five times, and I hadn't called him back. And so finally, my mom says to me, 
she says, hey, listen, this man has called here three or four times for you. You need to call him back. At least do that. At least have the courtesy. So I get on the phone with Dick Manini, and he says to me, hey, I don't know if we can get you in school yet. There's some classes that you that we require that you don't have on your transcript. But why don't you come up? We've already started our training camp. Why don't you come up and see if this will work out for you? Now, there's, there's a chance I may get emotional telling this story. I borrowed 40 bucks, 20 to get me there, and 20 in case I have to come back home. So I ride the bus up to the Bay Area. They pick me up. They're already in training camp. Coach Manini takes me in the office, and he says, Whatever's happened in the past, it's over with. You're here now. You're a part of our family. And I don't care whatever's happened in the past. You're here now. And let's see what we can do to get you in school. You had to meet this guy. You know, you had to meet him. It had to happen, right? Steve, without that moment, with, without that moment, I'm not here now. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not here. We're talking about not just me, but we're talking about the legacy of my son and my grandson. I am nowhere. I'm not here now. This doesn't, this doesn't happen if, that, if Dick Manini right. doesn't believe in second chances. So, okay, so you get there, and St. Mary's, and this man becomes like a father figure. How does ball go? Ball goes really good because I realize it's now or never. So football went well. I think the, the first scrimmage that we had, I scored five touchdowns. I'm running for my life, literally. I mean, I am running because I know that this is it and the lights are on yeah. and I'm present. Happened to have, because I was late registering, I ended up in a night class with the president of the college, Brother Mel. And so football is going well, but Brother Mel, I'm in the library one day, and he pulls me aside. And this is where the first kernel of that, that I might write one day happened, my first year at St. Mary's. And he says to me, he says, I don't know what you intend to do with your life, but you have a gift for writing. And if you were to take it serious, I think you could go anywhere with it. And it was just that simple. Just those words. He moved on. I moved on. So when does the writing for sure, or did you do it, or did you do it back in high school and you didn't notice, looking back? I, I didn't notice, Steve, because I was suspect of the compliments about my writing because I thought right. people always wanted to get close to me because I was an athlete. Hmm. And I didn't. And so that's on the one side of it. The other side of it, is that I didn't believe it. That's in, that's in there, but of course, I'm on, I'm on this football journey, so I don't think much of it. Right. And after the season, I begin to get these letters from teams. I have a fantastic senior season. I averaged almost 30 yards of return and kickoffs. You know, I rushed for 1,000-plus yards and touchdowns in the season. Season goes well, and then towards the end of the year, sports agents are showing up on campus. Now, we're talking about St. <laughs> Mary's. No, yeah. nobody's St. Mary's doesn't have this kind of thing going on. And I, right. 
I'm having all of this, you know, this attention, and I get an invite to the Combine, which I had no idea even what that was at the time. And I train for this Combine, and I go down there, and I am a maniac. <laughs> I love it. I, I, I remember, and this, you know, now with the advent of specialized combine training, the numbers I put up aren't as impressive. Yeah, but it's 1983, 84. Exactly. And we're not doing this kind of stuff. But I did 225, 23 times. I'm a, I'm a running back. I did it 23 times. I ran... You know, in the in the low four fives, high four fours, had incredible shuttles. My vertical was thirty five or thirty six. You know, I had this incredible, incredible performance at at the combine and got you know got a lot more attention. And then the draft comes along, and there was there was speculation that I would be. I ended up being the fourth pick of the Eagles in the fifth round. But there was speculation that I might even be picked higher than that. So yeah, I ended up I ended up getting drafted, went to the Eagles. Once again, started off hot. I mean, there yeah. were, you know, indications. You know, there were articles that this guy, the Eagles, has found the next greatest thing. You know, we're talking about a kid with Pro Bowl potential. My body started to fall apart almost immediately. Almost immediately from day one. I led the team in rushing in preseason. And actually, now that I think about it, I actually got on the field in the first couple of games, which is kind of... Uh, Very unusual back from, then, especially. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, great quarterbacks would sit on the bench for four and five years and learn, and then all of a sudden they'd get their opportunity. So we, we know the difficulty, and that you must have been making a heck of an impact, and, we, and you're going to continue to make that impact. But we're going to take a break first because I want to continue. Uh, Andre, the Mississippi Delta, excuse me, the Mississippi in general, our Mississippi, is the birthplace of American music, and we scream and holler it. So you get to play DJ. You have a little fun right now. Would you like to hear a little Little Milton? Or a little Mose Allison. I love I'm going to have to go with little Milton. I like it. He used to call me Little yeah. Azar. I like it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> with Andre yeah. Hardy. He's telling an incredible story in a Mississippi Minute. We're on Super Talk. We'll be right back. Have a radio handy? That's okay. Listen to Super Talk online at supertalk.fm or with the Super Talk app. Just download it in your app store. This is where you come to talk. Super Talk, Mississippi. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk, Mississippi. It was at the end of Indianola. I'm Steve Azar. How's everybody doing? You guys rolling down the highway? You're, uh, you're exercising. You got your earbuds on. With a night and uh, are you, uh, you're working. And I hope you're listening to a great story. My pal, Andre Hardy. He's uh, We're going to get to the writing because I'm so excited about it. And I know we don't have... It's a Mississippi Minute, which is a long time 
for most people. But when Andre and I get to the, Andre's story is, is too important to uh, to skim over. We can't get the cliff notes. So, Andre, you start getting hurt. Tell me real quick, because, you know, I'm a Greenville, Mississippi kid, and we had the Montgomery brothers from here, obviously Woo! Wilbur. So where, when was Wilbur there? Wilbur was my very first mentor. Wilbur picked me up from the airport, put me in the car, and showed me the ropes. Wow. Wilbur wrapped, wrapped his Mississippi arm I love it. around me from day one. Uh, Wilbur so Montgomery is a good man. Yeah. His brother, Eddie. I mean, they're great family. Wilbert, man, we used to go watch him and go, oh, my gosh. And then Eddie, oh, my God. I mean, it was like it was like beastly, you know? And uh, yeah. the whole family, great athletes, great people. So I love hearing that. Especially a tailback yeah. mentoring and, and, and not, not shunning another tailback, right? Right, right, right. You know, because essentially this, I'm a, someone that could potentially take his job. He did not in any way um take it like that he wilbur you know is secure i think it's hopefully someday wilbur gets his just due and he gets himself in the hall of fame but he was he was secure and he was a baller and he was a great great um mentor and helper to me to help me learn the game and and learn it learn the nuances of being a professional running back right i love it Uh, but your body i mean this is the deal I mean, you you get at some point you got to go. How long is it going to hold up? And you you got to be dang lucky, you know, to to not make the wrong cut, to not get hit the wrong way. I mean, it's just you're, you've already put your body through the ringer, you know, and it just yeah. they just don't hold up. That's why I love basketball. Just FYI, I'm glad your son chose basketball for a while and then obviously uh, went the other way. But okay, so tell me this. I, we can keep talking football because I want to because I know there, but I still want to get to the writing. And I know it's important because it's become such a big part of your life. Football goes by. You get hurt, right? Am I leaving anything right. out that's going to drive you crazy? No. No, I mean, that, that, that's pretty much it. I had what was a promising career get derailed by injury. And you're there a few years, right? You bounce around teams, probably. Yep. Mm-hmm. I go from uh, I go from Philly to Seattle to San Francisco, back to Seattle. And okay. this, and, and you know, my, my career, my football career was just snake bit. It right. Just I just could not stay healthy. Well, you're you're not alone. I mean, there's mo- most yeah. <laughs> most are. Okay, so you get out and you you got this degree. And you go work, and you become successful. Cliff Note version, where was this in relation to your writing? The writing, you know, the art wasn't, it was, it was bubbling because I was an incredible reader. Mm. I, had, I was reading probably four or five books a month. Right. I was, I, I'm an incredible reader. And in the back of my mind, I kept thinking, yeah, I can write this. I can write this. But I'm involved with my son now. It's right. his turn, and he's getting all of my energy. I get that. And, um, yeah, and I'm, 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 I'm hustling. I'm getting my son together. And in 2005, when he goes off to prep school, it was like a, you know, I took this exhale and went, okay, now me, what do I do? And that's when it said, you know, you always wanted to write. Why don't you try that? And so that's when I began the journey of saying, okay, I want to become a professional writer. 
And I started to take classes. And in the interim, of course, I'm still in the business world. I'm still working. I'm writing in the morning. I'm writing at night. I'm writing every chance I get. I'm on business trips with my laptop. I'm writing and I'm writing and I'm taking classes. And at that point, I was living in San Diego. You know, I was driving up to Los Angeles, you know, to take classes. And so I just started to chase this thing in 2005. Okay. And, and I immediately, not immediately, because writing is, is, I don't think anything happens immediately in writing because it is a craft that is so misunderstood. The beautiful thing, and it's, you know, it's, it's a lot, I would imagine, it probably like, you know, your music, someone hears it and they hear the simplicity and they hear the beauty, but what they don't hear is the years of fine tuning that went into making that song. And the and years the of reposit- living. And the years of living. Yeah. I mean, you got to exactly. have it. You got to have all of that, the, but you just said it. The, the skill is yeah. so important. Yeah. And um, I had ability, but I didn't have skill. And, and, you know, so essentially, here comes my football motif all over again. I have lots of raw ability, but I don't have any skill. And so I begin to acquire the skill to learn three-act structure, to learn how stories are actually put together and... and and genre and style and study other writers. And I just really began to go after it and was, and right away was having very small successes that kept me going. My, my very first piece of writing that I showed to someone, um, it was actually a guy I had lunch with the other day and I showed him a piece of writing and he said, almost the identical thing that Brother Mel said back in the library. And, and it was like, it was kind of a, it was this deja vu thing. He says, yeah, I don't know what you're doing with your life, but this thing right here, you should take it serious because you're pretty good at it. And, you know, I just, I believed him, Steve, and I just right. started to really chase after it. And, and that, discipline that I learned from my mom, that willingness, you know, the, the, the thing that football taught me about the relationship between the commensurate relationship between reward and effort. And so one of my professors in recently said, I just finished my MFA, a master's of fine arts and creative writing. And one of the things that my one of my professors said, she goes, oh, I see exactly what you've done. You've just taken that work ethic from football and applied it to writing. That's exactly what you're doing. And so it, it, it really is. It's the, it's the same sort of discipline and understanding that you get into something, you get out of something, excuse me, exactly what you put in. Now, you're in, you're, you're, you go back to get your master's. When was this? So two years ago, I'm at the point where I believe that I've done all that I can do with taking workshops and classes here and there, 
I'm, I'm living in Los Angeles at the time, and I've been studying in UCLA's Extension Writers Program, and I've taken the highest level courses that they have, but I look at my work objectively and says, this is not good enough. And so the NFL, through the NFL Trust, is offering ex-players the ability to go back to school, and they, they'll pay for it. And so... I said, you know what, I think I'm going to take them up on that offer. And I applied to graduate school. I got in, and I just finished in December. And I went in, you know, specifically um, to learn and understand the genre that I write in, which is hard-boiled detective fiction. Right. And to, and to, and to you know, to dissect my areas of weakness. I went in, I have a really good idea of the things that I do well, and I have a really good idea of the things that I don't do so well. Why so detective? Grad- I'm sorry. Why detective? Uh, why the detective side of things? Uh, I what I like in in fiction and what I like in general is to observe people under pressure. When individuals are under pressure, they reveal who they really are. And so one of the things about detective fiction and this whole idea of putting characters under intense pressure is to, is to reveal what's really there, this purification process that happens when you go through trials, you know, when you go through the fire, when you're in the heat of it, much like, you know, my life has been. And so I love that. I love watching it. I love people's seeing people go through trials and tribulations and come out the other side triumphant. I love, to, I love the human spirit that won't die, that won't quit, that even under the most intense and adverse pressure, find a way to come through in the end. And so this genre of hard-boiled detective fiction actually examines that very closely. We're talking to Andre Hardy. The story's only going to get better. You're in Mississippi Minute. We'll be right back. Don't have a radio handy? That's okay. Listen to Super Talk online at supertalk.fm or with the Super Talk app. Just download it in your app store. This is where you come to talk. Super Talk Mississippi. If Alexa's part of your life, you've got one more way to access Super Talk. Super Talk Mississippi is now available on Amazon Alexa devices. Once enabled, just say Alexa Play Super Talk Mississippi at any time and start listening. It's that easy. Just one more way to stay informed and connected with your state. Learn more at supertalk.fm slash Alexa. Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Now available on Amazon Alexa devices. Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Steve Azar, pal Andre Hardy. We're gonna get to the writing because I'm so excited about it. We call it furniture in the in the songwriting business. You gotta put things uh, with color in it. With uh, you gotta be able to touch it, feel it, taste it, smell it. And all that, and when you do that in a song, uh, in the right way, that's conversational, it's a bingo moment, you know. So, 
um, we call it furniture, you know. So you you have so much furniture, and it, it's it's amazing, amazing. Thank you. So thank I'm gonna you, let you. I'm you. gonna let you do, do a little ec- excerpt for me. Is that the word? Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Here we go. All right. Six days before he tried to kill me, I sat side by side with Saul in his library. Reposed in his oxblood leather chair, I smoked a Cuban cigar and sipped aged bourbon under a dim brass lamp sitting on his mahogany desk. The lamp suffused the golden color, a shade of sun at dusk, projecting our silhouettes on his bookcases filled with Plato and Homer and Machiavelli. I was in the throes of growing unease, having arrived at a fitting, although unexpected, fork in the road. The unexpected, I should note, wasn't the cause of my angst. The life I chose in fixing problems that weren't my own was at best capricious. So I'd grown nimble. I was swift on my toes. This time it was the fork itself that had me soul-searching, starting to peel away the layers in search of authenticity, my truth. I was now standing between two destinies. The, real la- the realization that generated a buzz in my bones that if I'd been plugged into a low-grade socket and I'd begun to drift more than usual, I found myself gazing at a thousand yards into the distance at, at, what, at what I wasn't exactly sure. Okay, so where does that come from? Yeah, the inspiration uh, for this story and this character is the idea that we as humans, and in particular, you know, the African American male are always looking outside of ourselves. Most often we look outside of ourselves for fulfillment and for the idea that um, money, women, fame, fortune, all these things are the key to happiness. But what this character is describing that he has all that. Right. He's dead. He's done it. He's had more. He's made more money than he could ever spend in his life. But it's not the answer. Yeah, he sounds. So this, I, this, he sounds uncontent a little bit. Yeah, this this fork in the road that he's come to is this idea that you know I'm I need to leave this behind. There are more important things that I should be doing, and in particular, it is spending more time with his daughter. I love that, and that I can't Thank wait. You. Now, can people go to a website right now and see sort of your building process? Or no way. Yeah, they can go to. Uh, AndreHardy.net. I have I've just put up a a website that is um, a placeholder. Love it. As I begin to build it, um, they can go there and check it out. I have uh, there are a couple of one of the things I I've done along the way is I do interviews. I've written a couple of essays that have been public uh, published. I wrote a non I ghost wrote a nonfiction book. So there's uh, there's links to that stuff on the website, right? And um, yeah, they can sign up to be on my mailing list, and yeah, please. And then you sort of kind of keep out, you, you'll be able to keep alive, sort of like they get to stay, they get to keep up with what you're doing, sort of, uh, and in the moment, sort of, right? Yep. I love uh-huh. that. As I move, as I as I go through this process, yeah, absolutely. AndreHardy.net. Yeah. I'm signing up today. Everybody else. There you is. go. Everybody pull your car over. <laughs> You got nowhere to go. Put your car over and sign up. You're working. You're not doing anything because you're almost at a I don't have to be me till Monday state, which I officially can give you that. I can give you that blessing. So you might as well do it. Hey, Andre, I mean, I could talk forever, and I appreciate you taking an entire Mississippi minute with me. Uh, but um, I know uh, 
that uh, that we've gone as far as we can go, and then uh, they're going to cut me and you both off. So uh, yeah, all right, <laughs> yeah, it's all right though. That's all right. I appreciate you taking the time. Your story is just inspiring. I mean, I feel I was a little tired before I called you, and now I'm I'm, I'm perked up. I'm sitting up, and uh, and I'm just I feel really good about myself right now. And that's what you just did, and and I know my listeners are going to be feeling the same way, because obstacles are just that. And you you were born into circumstances, and your mom didn't let it slow you down, and you didn't let it slow you down. You had people that come along the way that changed even the course of your life and you let them in and you said yes and i love it brother i I appreciate you taking the time we have been with the great andre hardy and we will uh and frank the tank thank you for making this happen what a blessing Uh, thanks thanks thank you thank you thank you you're the best all right blessing i'm steve azar in a mississippi minute all 60 of them where you can take your sweet time. Whether you're a rebel, a bulldog, a golden eagle, or just a sports fan, Super Talk Mississippi has got a podcast for you. For you. Sports Talk Mississippi, The Rebel Report, Thunder and Lightning, The Super Talk Eagle Hour, and The Borky Show are all now available for you. And it's all free. Free. Get them all on demand at supertalk.fm and on your smartphone. Just search for Super Talk on iTunes, Google Play, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.